Um, If you would turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27. It's great to have uh, Lisa's family here today visiting. Praise the Lord. Good to have you. Did you get a chance to say hi to them? Now, don't be so creepily quiet. Let's give them a welcome this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you. You creep me out when you're quiet. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think people are plotting or something. I don't know what's happening when everybody's quiet. All right. John chapter 14, verse 27, it says, and listen very carefully. I think this is important. This is the words of Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Drop down a few chapters in John 16.33. It says, I have told you these things. He's talking about this previous verse. So that you may have peace in the world, in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, we just pray for your word. Lord, speak it in season, Lord God. And uh, I pray that you speak to every heart. You give us ears to hear. You take me and uh, remove me, Lord, from these words. Lord, let it be yours through me, Lord God. Yes, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that you would bless the word, Lord, and you would uh, bless our ears to hear, Lord, and respond. In your name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You always love it when they adjust the sound for impact. It's always good. All right. I'm going to be using my phone this morning. My notes wouldn't print. That's always a good thing. So I was uh, praying about this message, and uh, I had a dream earlier this week. And um, my message was in that dream, and I, I woke up, and I thought, man, this is awesome. I've got my message ready now for Sunday because I've dreamed it. And I woke up, and I said, that's my message. And I, I had my points, I had everything, and then I woke up the next morning, and I couldn't remember what it was. And so I've been praying all week to try to remember what that message was, and uh, the Lord brought it back to my heart, the message, and... Uh, and, and, and the Lord was, um, how many have ever been in a period of time when everything around just, just stressed? And everything around just seems like it's not working well and, and you just can feel that tension beginning to set in and, and it almost seems like a fight. You know, it almost seems like things are, aren't going well and, and you're struggling and there's tension and there's stress and you're like, man, I just gotta, I just gotta get away. How many have ever, how many remember that commercial that used to be on? You ever just felt like you just need to get away? And the Lord has taught me, and I know some of you have been taught the same way, how to rest. And so the title of my sermon is Rest in Peace. You say, oh wow, you, we're going to die? See, we associate that phrase 
with uh, somebody passing away. And we say to ourselves, hey, you know, uh, he's finally resting. You know, he's finally, you know, maybe somebody struggled with life or they struggled with addictions or they struggled with sickness. And we say, finally, may he rest in peace. And can I tell you something today? God wants you to rest now in his peace. He doesn't want you to wait until you die. Isn't that good news? Amen. We're going we're gonna to be in the presence of the Lord when we die. But let's rest in his peace today. All right, let's learn how to rest in his peace. In this story in the Bible, this is the end of Christ's life. This is his last teachings before he goes to the cross. And so in John chapter 14, all the way up to John chapter 16, he's giving his last teachings before he is crucified. And so these are very important. He um, starts off in what's called the upper room, the upper room discourse, they call it. And he has his disciples around him and Jesus is prophesying to them how he's going to die which is pretty amazing because he's going to be suddenly arrested. You know, it doesn't happen very often that a fully innocent man, in fact, he wasn't just an innocent man, he's the only one, history will tell us, went through his entire life without actually sinning. So he was not just an innocent man, he was a man that had had never sinned before. And for him to be suddenly arrested beaten, crucified, hung on a cross is a pretty shocking thing. But they were seeking for his life at this point. And he knew what was prophesied about his life. This literally was God. He said, I came from the Father. And in this moment in time, these three chapters, 14, 15, and 16 of the book of John, he's telling them what's going to happen. He's trying to comfort them in knowing that this is going to happen. That way when it happens, you're not so troubled over it. He kept saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be surprised when you see it. Don't be shocked when you see it. And he's also telling them, um, don't be surprised either when all of you abandon me. And one of them spoke up, Peter. He said, no, that'll never happen. You know, and how many know Peter... Regretted those words a few hours later. And so he's telling them, you're going to abandon me. He's telling them that I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be uh, put on a cross. And he also prophesies to them, don't let your heart be troubled because I'm going to be gone for a few days. And in just a little while, you're going to see me again. And it said they started talking among themselves. And they started saying, we don't understand that. What does he mean? In a little while, you'll see me again. And he was prophesying his resurrection, that he's going to literally be murdered and he's going to resurrect and be with them in a few days. And so as you're walking around, he goes from the upper room in Jerusalem, okay, and that's probably... Um, real close to the Mount of Olives and he, and he walks with them through the city and we don't know exactly 
where he's at when he's saying each thing. We know he washes their feet. We know that he uh, has the last supper with them, which is the Passover. Then we know he leaves the upper room and he's still talking with them. And he's talking about how he'll be betrayed and how he'll be crucified. He's telling them how you'll betray me. And then he begins to comfort them again and saying, abide in me. Just trust in me. Abide in me. Uh, I'm in the Father. um, You are in me. And he goes through the whole scripture on abiding in the vine and he's still walking. And at some point he walks from the upper room over to the Garden of Gethsemane where he has his last prayer before he's arrested. And he's actually arrested in that garden. And so he's demonstrating... I just want you to imagine for a minute, what kind of stress would we be under? He knows he, he knows all the prophecies very well. Nobody knew the Word like Him because the Bible says He was the Word. So He knew it pretty well. We call some people the walking Bible, but He was literally the walking Bible, okay? So he knew that uh, they were going to arrest him. He knew that he would be flogged. He knew that he would be beaten to the point of his organs actually nearly hanging out of his body. He knew that his beard would be plucked. He knew that they would mock him and spit on him and reject him and crucify him. And he knew about the, he knew everything that was going to happen. Now imagine that's you. And you're walking around, you have your last couple of hours and you know that you came to die for man, and who is in your face right now yelling at you all of these curses, all of these profanities, all, all of your best, your best, one of your best friends betrays you for 30 pieces of silver. You know that your closest friends are going to abandon you. And he's demonstrating something that is incomprehensible. The mind can't understand it. He has a peace. Just calm. Just like, man, he's relaxed. And he's just, hey guys, I just want you to know <laughs> you're all going to betray me. That's okay. Don't let your heart be troubled. Calm down. Relax. All right. Just relax. No, you're going to all betray me. They're going to beat me. Says The Bible says he was marred more than any man had ever been marred. I mean, Satan had the freedom to really beat him good because he was trying to get him to submit. How many know if you, you know, UFC fighters are really tough, right? But if you twist their arm a little bit, they'll, they'll, they'll tap out. Jesus wouldn't tap out. He wasn't getting an arm bar, right? Can you imagine how much he went through and didn't tap out? Satan had free reign to beat him more than any man had ever been beaten, but he didn't tap out. That's pretty amazing. The ability to endure pain. But even more, more amazing is how relaxed he was. You know, this is all getting ready to happen to me. You know, hey. Relax. It's okay. Don't be troubled. Don't let your heart be too upset about it. It's okay. And then he's telling a story on his way there. Hey, abide in me. You know, just relax in me. Stay in me. You know, don't, you know, get too out of whack here. You're going to betray me. Everybody's going to betray me. I'm going to die. I'm going to be beaten really bad. But hey, relax. Don't let your heart be troubled. 
And he starts the conversation with, in 14, hey, I'm going away. He says, I'm going to a place and I'm preparing a place for you. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Because where I go, you're going right behind me. You're going with me. And they had never heard this before. It's called the Upper Room Discourse. And as Jews, they had never heard that God was preparing a place with many mansions. Guess what we read at most of our funerals? I go to prepare a place for you. He's just relaxed. He's just chilling out here. Do you see the peace that's really unusual? In fact, the Bible says that God will give us peace that passes understanding. That means you won't even get it. It's so big. Like you'll be going through the hardest times of life. You'll be going through relationship problems. You might lose your home. You might lose your job. And that's what happened to a lot of these believers. They were put out of their home. In fact, read Hebrews of all the people of faith. Sometimes they were persecuted to the point of death. Sometimes they were beaten. Uh, most all of them had family members that want, wanted nothing to do with them. You know, they were, um, they, they had property seized from them. I mean, this is well documented. But God, Jesus said, don't worry. All of these things are going to happen. You're going to have, uh, troubles in this world. But don't worry. He said, I have overcome the world. And you said, well, sure he did. He was crucified. He was beaten. He went through all of that and he endured it and he conquered it. But do you understand he said that before the cross? His faith was so set and he had so much peace about him that before they ever beat him, before they ever betrayed him, before they ever mocked him or before they ever flogged him, he said, don't be troubled. I got this. I have overcome this already. And he's saying, and here's the big thing. He starts off with peace. I leave with you. Well, that's fine. Peace. You know, you think he was just one of those peace. I leave with you. If he would have stopped there, that would have been not that great of a line, you know, because he would have just been another hippie with an empty word. Empty words. Listen to me. But then the very next line he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And what is he demonstrating to them? A peace that is un, under, it's just not understandable. Why he's that calm. Would you be that calm? You can be that calm because he said, I'm leaving my peace with you. This is like a um, inheritance. This is like I'm dying, but I'm leaving something for my children. Okay, have you ever seen somebody get an inheritance or ever received an inheritance and it's there, you know, it may have even been deposited in your account, but how many know you still have to withdraw it to spend it? And so he's putting in every believer his peace. And he's saying, what you're seeing me demonstrate right now, I'm leaving it with you. I'm giving my peace. Now, what is peace? Peace is a, if you look at the definition, it's freedom from hostility. 
It's freedom from war. It's freedom from battle. It's freedom from the world. He said, I've overcome the world. He's using that as the subject of what the peace is there for. I've overcome the world and I'm leaving you the same weapon that I used, which is my peace. And so it doesn't matter what time period we live in, okay? We're not looking down the barrel of what he was looking at. And we're not even looking down the barrel yet of what they were looking at. He knew that as soon as he was gone, he began in this discourse to begin to express to them, you're going to be betrayed by your family like I'm being betrayed. And he said, it's not because of you, it's for my name. My name's sake, you're going to be betrayed. And because of me, you're going to go through this and you're going to go through that and you're going to go through this. And here's the thing, if you're obedient to the Lord, he's going to bless your life. But he says, don't be confused about this. You're going to have tribulation. So why are we so surprised? But he says, here's what I'm giving you. I leave with you my peace. I give you. I do not give you peace as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. That's a command. So he has to clarify here. He has to clarify that there's two different kinds of peace. There's the peace that the world gives, and then there's my peace. And what the Lord woke me up and told me to preach was I will go through life sometimes, and how many know we forget? We forget that we have the peace of Christ that's supposed to reign inside of us. We forget about it. How many forget about it? And sometimes I feel the trembling of the battle. Sometimes I can feel the hostility of the battle. And and sometimes the world presses down on you. And you say, oh man, you know, i got to live life to the fullest because I'm going to die soon. How many have ever felt that? Man, i got to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. No, you don't. You don't have to do that. When I open my eyes in the presence of the Lord, do you think I care about a bad childhood? Do you think I care about people that have rejected me? Do you think I care about the insults of the world or the persecution of the world? No, Jesus didn't care because he came from the Father. He was going right back to him and he said, follow me and you're going the same place I'm going. You should, he said, you should be overjoyed that I'm going to the Father is what he told him. And so if I have the peace of Christ reigning in me, then why do I care? about the things of this world. If he overcame the world through that peace, then I should have the same peace at my um, disposal to use anytime I want to use it. I've got his peace available to me because it was my inheritance as a believer. And so here's the problem. When I start to feel the hostility... How many ever felt that? It's like I got to get somewhere and get this off my mind. People have treated me bad. People have said this. People have said that. I've got deadlines to meet. Things in life I'm not happy with. I'm not happy with people. And can I tell you something? If I didn't have a place of rest from all of that, if I couldn't take that, it's like a heavy garment. If I couldn't take that heavy garment off and be restful again, then life would be really hard. 
In fact, he says at the end of his discourse here in 1633, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I want you to have it. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome it all. I've overcome the world. And so here's my concern as a pastor. We're not entering into his rest. In fact, Hebrews says this in chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. you hear that? Since the rest is still available, let us be careful that none of you... You say, was that just us? No, that's me too. Let none of us fall short of it. Meaning, don't let any of us not take advantage of it. So if he's saying, make sure we don't not take advantage of it, what does that tell you we're able to do? Not take advantage of it. And I can, I, I know for myself, uh, literally, I, you know, in that prayer room's nothing special. It is to me. I, I, how do I say that? But I go in there and can I tell you something? I put, I've got a tablet in there. And I put Spotify on there, and I've got a mix in there. In fact, I've got a new mix that I really like that I made. It's called David's Tent. And I just made it. It's like my all-star list of worship songs, and they're all me talking straight to God and uh, worshiping Him. And, 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 and here's what happens. I enter into His rest. I get into His presence, and I won't leave until I feel better until the weight of the world is off of my shoulders because guess what? He's overcome the world. He's overcome the world and it's just a short time that I'll be in His presence. I don't have to be stressed. I don't have to be upset. I don't have to worry about the people that have rejected, about the relationships that are broken. I don't have to worry about this missing out on this and missing out on that. All I have to do is enter in and say just a little longer... I'm going to enjoy everything this world has to offer. But in this world, I will have hard times. I will have tribulations. I will have trouble. But guess what? It says when we're absent from the body, we're present with Christ. And we're in that place that He's prepared for us. And all I have to do is wait by faith in the presence of the Lord and be renewed in my faith and just say, Lord, a little while longer. And guess what? The weight of the world goes away. I go in that prayer room and sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes five minutes. I go in there and I just feel light as a feather. Sometimes it's eight hours. You say, do you do that? How do you do that? I fall asleep sometimes. You know, it's not a bad thing. You know, some of you have a list and it's like, man, uh, God, pr- I pray for this one. I pray for that one. I pray for this one. I pray for that one. I pray for this one. I pray for that one. I don't do that. I'm sorry. I say, Holy Spirit, you tell me who to pray for. And as, as the Holy Spirit puts it in my heart, I'll pray. But a lot of the times, if I feel the weight of the world, if I feel like I'm not entering into his rest, I have to remind myself just a little longer. I'll be in his presence. Just a little longer I'm here and I have to rest in peace. And so I'll go in and I say, God, what is it you want me to preach today? And he says, 
You have to identify what it is you feel in the prayer room because they need it. And I was, and I, and I initially said, well, well, wait a minute. It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. And I go in there and, you know, I'm stressed or I'm mad or I'm angry or something's not going the way I want it to go and something's not good. And so I say, you know what? I'm done with everything. I go in there. I lock the doors. I shut the lights off. I put the worship music on and I just lay there until he clarifies things for me. How me do that. Just get in the presence of the Lord, find some worship music, and just lay there until you can rest in His peace. And I said, well, what is it, God? What is it that you do to me? Because when I walk out, I'm not mad anymore. I'm gentle. He said, man, you're gentle. That must really be a prayer room you have there. The problems I had don't seem that big anymore. The stress I had doesn't seem that stressful anymore. I said, what is it that's happening in there? It's it's definitely the work of the Holy Spirit, but that's not it. And the Lord said, you're resting in my peace, not the peace the world gives. You know, the world gives a real tricky kind of peace. It avoids the problems. You know, it's like I'm going to go out and get a buzz because I will forget about it for a while. I'll avoid it for a while. In fact, one Bible teacher said it's like being at a dinner party. Everybody's having a good time. You know, everybody's interacting with each other and the TV's on. And you see the news story that says there's a war breaking out somewhere and people have died. And the guy immediately goes over and shuts the TV off and says, this is not going to disrupt my party. And see, that's what the world's peace is like. The world's peace is just avoiding the situations that are around you but have no answer. You know, the the world distracts from the world, the problems we have, but doesn't take it away. But man, when I get in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit says, it's all right. You know, I, you know it, it's one good thing to be in prayer and say, I love you, Lord. But do you know how different it is when God says, I love you? When you lay there and you just say, God, I'm not leaving until I feel better. And he says, I love you. You're my son. I'm pleased with you. You say, well, man, how do you get to that point? And I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible says that Jesus brought peace with God. And how you get peace with God determines everything. Because there's a thing in the Bible called justification by faith. And it's a doctrine that if we don't understand, we're going to be messed up in life. Because the Bible says that it was by His precious blood that I've been justified by faith. You say, well, wait a minute. I take that and run with it, and every time I do good, then I have His favor. Well, there's a problem with that. What happens when you do bad? then your peace is gone. Because when I was doing good, and when I was doing what I felt was pleasing to God, then I was I had peace with God. But when I messed up, how did I feel? Pretty crummy. And so God offers peace with God through His blood, 
And one thing I want you to notice about this story is who is he giving his inheritance of peace to? Well, the immediate conversation is his disciples. And the context is he's about to be betrayed by every single one of them. Peter will turn his back so dramatically that he's uh, cursing a little girl within a few hours. Total failure. Thomas is going to doubt him to the extreme. The sons of thunder, who are these bold disciples who are ready to stand up to anybody, and they're zealous, they're running and cutting and running, and they're nowhere to be found. How many know that? Their boldness is uh, suddenly cowardice, right? And so what I'm trying to tell you is that he gives his inheritance of peace to people who are failures. That means it's for you and it's for me. If I trust in Jesus Christ, I'm going to apply myself out of love to serve Christ, right? But I also know that my best is going to fail. And when I've failed and when I'm a failure and when everything is not working and some of those things are my fault, some of those things are the world that I live in that is full of failure and full of sin, I still have an inheritance of peace. And so I can go into his presence, the Bible says, meekly, humbly, like a dog with his tail between his legs, I can come into his presence, right? Some of you need to read your Bible a little bit. Because we've got to understand that doctrine of justification. The the, the Bible says that the, the pathway to God's throne, where I can have peace in a world that has no peace, a world that is everybody is struggling with life, everybody's upset, everybody's beat up, everybody's at war, everybody's stressed. I don't have to have that. Because I can come, the Bible says, boldly to His throne. It doesn't say a tail between my legs, a failure, somebody who God doesn't want to see. No, God says, I want to see you. I want you in my presence. I want to give you my peace. I want to give you my grace. I want to give you my mercy because the path to his throne is a path of the blood of the lamb. He died so I can have peace with God, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And so I can come boldly into the presence of Christ because I have had faith in the one who died for me. And because of that faith in the one that died for me, because of that faith that says he died and went to the right hand of the Father, you know, he he died, he set captives free in hell, he resurrected and he went to the place he said he's preparing for me personally. Those are personal pronouns in that conversation he had before he died and because i believe that because i have faith in that in fact let me tell you how to enter the rest hebrews goes on let me read it all again so it'll be in context therefore since the promise of entering the rest still stands let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. 
Now we who have believed have entered that rest just as God has said. Did you hear that? You have to not just hear that Christ died for you, not only hear that He's in heaven with a place that's specially prepared for me, but I have to combine that, Hebrew says, with faith. I have to live my life knowing that the moment I die, the Bible says to die is gain, not loss. We've been taught our whole life because of sin, and, and it's a true fact, because of sin, death is not a gain, it's a loss. But the Bible says in Christ it's a gain because to be absent from your body in death is to be present with God. And how many know there's no circumstance in this world that's better than opening my eyes and being in the presence of Christ? There's nothing better. And when you begin to um, receive the peace of Christ, in fact, how many know before you know Christ you have no peace? I remember the bumper sticker that said, K-N-O-W, no Christ, no peace. N-O, no Christ, no peace. And you say, well, man, rest in peace. He struggled his whole life. How many know that if he never knew Christ, he is never going to know the peace? If she never knew Christ... She will never know the peace. Hebrews also says that we live our whole life in fear of death and that Jesus Christ took away the fear of death and let us enter into his rest. And can I tell you something? You say, well, man, what are we going to do with the new world order? Oh, some of you perked up. Like, all right, he's going in the new world order here. What are we going to do with this shadow government? I'm like, all right, come on, let's go. Let's talk about this. What are we going to do with the vaccinated and the non-vaccinated? What are we going to do with the Biden administration and the Trump administration? What are we going to do with all these problems with Russia and the problems with red China? And somebody said, preach it. Somebody tell, somebody shout that. So I can make an example out of you. You know, I'm going somewhere with it, right? Preach it. There it is. Who said that? How dare you? All right, good. (laughs) And you know what? I'm calm. I've got a peace about me. You say, well, Chad, don't you have problems in your life? No, I'm in his rest. I got a peace about me. I feel good. You know, I've entered into his rest and I don't want to leave it. You say, what happens when you leave it? I kind of step out of it. And I get stressed. (laughs) And I feel like there's trouble all around me. And I feel like I'm ready to fight. And I feel like I'm ready to go after somebody. And you say, man, you sound like you're going back to your old self. And that's exactly what happens. That old flesh begins to rise up. And I begin to say, I can do it. I can pull myself by the bootstraps. I'll take care of this. And boy, I'm just this plucky little guy that's ready to take on the world. Right? And fighting is ready to begin. And the Lord says, you have not entered into my rest. And so then I have to go back over and I begin to feel it. It begins to crack at, you know, how many have ever felt like you're cracking apart? You're just, in fact, uh, when I was up at the conference, he said, uh, 
you're leaking. You got cracks in you and you're beginning to break apart. And so that means that I'm not in his rest. And, and then everything comes back. It's like, man, you know, you, you begin to remember every hurt from your childhood, every pain, every person that said a wrong word to you. And how many know you're not in his rest? And he's saying, come back around and take the peace that I give, not the peace of the world. You say, well, I just need a vacation. You know, I just need to go out with my friends. I just need to, you know, sit down and relax. And, and you know, you can go on Google and you can find five ways to relax. In fact, you can do this. You can buy essential oils. How many know if you buy essential oils and you put that lavender on? I mean, I read it on there. It says that lavender... What does it do? It calms. It, it gives you just a calming peace. Or I can smoke some weed, right? Right? I mean, it, you say, well, man, you've never been around that. You're a pastor. How many know I grew up around that? And I can, and, and you know what my biggest problem with weed was? It makes you so passive. That everything's all right. Man, it's all right. We're at peace. No, we're not. You haven't done anything about your relationship with God. So if we die, we have no peace. We're not going to rest in peace. We're going to be eternally damned. We've done nothing about what. how are we going to solve the problems of the world. Well, when I read the Bible, the problem's already solved. Jesus told me that there's going to be tribulation as long as I'm in a world that has sin. And endure it for a little while, but when you wake up, you're going to be in my presence. And I've prepared a place for you, and there's going to come a time I'm going to say enough with sin, and I'm going to recreate the heaven and the earth, and you're going to have a glorified body that won't sin. So trust in me. That answers my problems. i got nothing to worry about. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to move on. And somebody says, well, man, you know what? You get this buzz, man. You, you go out and drink with us. You'll be so happy. And you'll feel so much better about life. I will. Well, what happens when I'm bowing down to the porcelain God later? Is it still better? Or what happens when I've realized that I spent all my money cashing my check at the bar? Is it better? And I'm just telling you, the world will give us a different kind of peace. And I'm telling you, the rest that God has prepared is the place that God wants us to unburden. How many have been there? I've been there. I know what it's like to want to die. I know what it's like to have no peace, nowhere to be found. But I also know what it means to say, God, I'm going to trust you with my life. And I also know what it means to say when I close my eyes, I know without a doubt that it is going to be gain. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. And so I know God and I know peace. And you know what? I also know when I've left His rest. Hebrews is very clear. We can enter it or we can not enter it. The children of Israel, he says in Hebrews 4, they refused to enter it. They didn't want it. They didn't allow themselves to be at rest, and so they couldn't rest in peace. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah.
<clears throat> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And uh, Jesus, we're so thankful for the peace that you gave us. Not the peace the world gives. It's not the peace of money, materialism. It's not the peace of drugs, alcohol. It's not the peace of uh, essential oils. It's not the peace of all these products that the offer the world offers to make us peaceful and restful, Lord. But you offer true peace. You offer true peace with God. You offer a future that's brighter than any future the world has to offer. Lord, you give answers. You give real answers. And Lord, I pray that that peace would rest on every person in attendance today. That they would appropriate it, they would find it, they would not not refuse to enter into it, Lord, that they would just in, in, embrace it, Lord. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. And I just want to ask you this morning, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, I'm not going to make you come to the front. In fact, I'll pray with you privately if you want to do it that way. We can pray at a different time, we can counsel at a different time. But I just want to ask you, everybody close their eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. It's too important of a question. I just don't want anybody looking around. I just want to ask you, just and nobody, can everybody promise me nobody will look around? Yes. I just want in your own heart say, I know that peace. If that's you, raise your hand. I know that peace. I'm not looking, I'm not counting hands. I know the peace of God that passes all understanding. You put it down. Those of you who couldn't confidently say that, can I tell you, it always comes around the question of how am I justified? Justified means just as if I had not sinned. Jesus died so He could put us in front of the Father and say, you are accepted, you are loved, you are His child, you are going to heaven. That assurance of going to heaven is where the peace comes from. And the only way I can be justified, the Bible says, our righteousness, meaning my good deeds. Everybody listen, you can open your eyes now. Everybody listen, my good deeds are like filthy rags before God. I will never be justified in God's presence because I'm a good person, but I will do good deeds because He died for me and I didn't deserve it. He died for me and that blood is a path to His throne and He loves me, accepts me. I'm His child because I have faith in the death of the Son of God who came to this world and He says, when you trust in me, my peace I give you. It'll rest upon you. It'll go through trials and tribulations and hard times. If you have the peace of God in your life through the Holy Spirit, the Bible says when we believe the Holy Spirit is given to us and the Holy Spirit is a dispenser of peace. Whenever the world begins to drag down on me, when there begins to be problems that are unsolvable, how many know I don't have to solve the problem? I don't have to have a solution to every problem. 
I don't have to have the answer to everything that's going on around me. All I have to do is enter into his rest and trust he's got it figured out. God's got a plan for my life. God's got a future. My future is so bright. I could be standing here on my last leg and dying of cancer. I could be sitting on the side of the road with a major accident. My last breath's going out out of me. And how many know my future is brighter than anybody in this world? I've got the brightest future in the world because I trust in Jesus and I'm going to be in his presence and my future is secure. My future is bright. And church, if we don't have that hope, then we are hopeless. You say, well, man, I've got some pretty bright prospects for the next 10 years. I got a pretty good plan for the next 30. I'm young. I've got 50 years to enjoy life. If you don't have the hope of Christ and the future that is in Christ, you're hopeless. And that is the Bible. And so I want you to find the place. Just make sure you have that peace and don't let that peace be because you're good. Let the peace be because he died for you. Let everything you do for Christ be because I love him so much that he died for me. When you walk into the house of Christ, house of God, raise those hands. They're clean because he died for you, not because you're good. Not because you did good works, not because you're better than the next person. He died for me and so that grace is so amazing. I don't even understand it. I come into his house and I worship and I love him and I work for him and do everything for him because he died for me and I did not deserve it. He gave me his peace and I was a failure. I had nothing going for me in life and he's building a house for me. I'm going to close my eyes one day and it won't be a loss, it'll be a gain. I'll open my eyes and there'll be no funeral homes. There'll be no death. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no broken relationships. I'll have a body that cannot even sin. And church, live like a light as a feather. I'm going to rest in that. I'm going to rejoice in that. It doesn't matter what happens around me. It doesn't matter what I have to endure this short amount of time because eternity is forever and my future is brighter. I have It's so bright I have to wear sunglasses sometimes. My future is so bright. And you say, would you say that if you're in the cancer unit? I would. I'd say just a little longer. I'm going a little faster than you are. If I'm on the side of the road and I'm at the last breath of the accident, I'm going to say... I'm closer than you. You might see me grin before I go. Because I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord and the fight is officially over. How many like the idea of that? Eternal peace. The fight is finally over. I'm tired of fighting disease. I'm tired of fighting sickness. I'm tired of fighting broken relationships. Lord, the Bible has a word for it. It's called Maranatha. That means come quickly. I'm ready. And man, I'm going to enjoy this world, but boy, I'm ready to go. So find a place and just love on him. If you need prayer, maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. That's why I'm here to pray with you. You say, well, man, I don't feel comfortable for the people. Find me afterward or find a time we can get together and we can get it right with God. We can have peace with God. Peace in this life. Peace through the troubles. Peace through the circumstances. So find a place. Let's worship before we close. Hallelujah.
our clothes. But I want you to remember um, the disciples that Jesus was talking to at that moment. After he died, they went from house to house looking for Christians. And they were dragging them out of the homes and they were, um, some of them were martyred. Many were put in jail. But they were trying to make an example out of them by arresting them and putting all of their leaders in jail. They still bravely preached the gospel. And then 30 years later, this same group of people, as they were older, just imagine if our president, okay, set the entire town of Washington, D.C. on fire and then blame the Christians. Just imagine if that happened because that's exactly what happened. The emperor of Rome, Nero, set the entire city on fire is is the history, historical rendition of what happened. Blame the Christians. And how many know Paul, Peter, many of the disciples, they were both martyred at that time because the Christians were blamed for doing it and it was an excuse to arrest them. And so Jesus said, peace is what I'm giving you. And so listen to this. Paul says in Colossians 3, this is the same Paul that died during that persecution. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. So let me ask you, is the peace of Christ that he had that day that he told them those about his peace he's giving them, is it ruling your heart? Or is fear ruling your heart and everything going around you ruling your heart? Or is peace? Here's another one from Paul again, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. How many need your heart guarded? The peace of God will guard your heart and your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, we need to have a guard on our heart because there's lots of things trying to disturb us. And God wants us to have the guard and the peace of God ruling over our heart, not the things around us. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, let us walk in your peace. Lord, guard our heart, Lord. Lord, we don't want to be those that just read about the peace and know about it through the word, Lord. We want to apply it in our lives. We want to find the place of prayer and learn about your peace and walk in your peace. Guard our hearts through your peace. So do that in your people. Teach them. Let them learn, Lord. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Remember this prayer room. If you've never found the peace of God, I want to teach you about it. I want you to learn how to get into His presence. It's not mine. It was made for you to be in there and learn how to get in God's presence. You can do
do it there, you can do it anywhere. If you can't do it there, you probably can't do it anywhere because it's dedicated to being the presence of God. You know, that's what that room is for. Nothing else happens in that room but that. All right? Hallelujah. Bless you.